Good morning and welcome to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on 2XX. You're joining us for an Easter egg extravaganza. Um, I'm Eleanor and I'm in the studio with Mitchell, who is pretty keen on eggs and dinosaurs and cool stuff like that. Yeah, it's excellent to be here, Eleanor. Say that again, Mitchell. It's excellent to be here, Eleanor. See, I feel like we really need to labour the puns yeah. as much as possible during this episode. Lay them on thick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, look, this is actually a pre-record. Uh, because it's the Easter long weekend, we hope you're having a fantastic time, um, having a restful weekend. Um, so we're hopefully having a restful weekend too. Hopefully. So it's actually last weekend in real life. Yes. We're recording. Well, we're coming to you from the past. Yes, we are. Yes. Um, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the past. Uh, we're going to be talking about what we all sort of started as. Our theme for today is eggs. Mm. That's right. Um, so Mitchell, eggs. Eggs. You know stuff about eggs. I do know stuff about eggs. What do you know about eggs? So uh, one of the one of the... One of the things that blows my mind the most about eggs is, well, what is your body made of, Eleanor? Uh, what's my body made of? Yeah. Mostly chocolate at this stage, I hope. Yeah, hopefully. Um, um, but also, I guess, cells? Yeah, cells. Like, the smallest living component of your body is cells. Now, like, everybody's kind of familiar with cells in this kind of abstract way. That um, you, It's a bit hard, though, because you can't see them. They're so, so tiny. Yeah, they're, they're tiny. They're, like, microscopic. Microscopic, maybe. right? Yeah. Um, but if you go to your kitchen... You open the fridge, you've probably got some eggs in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Unless you're a vegan inclined. Unless you're vegan. Um, you've probably got some eggs in your fridge. Uh, and they're actually single cells. Really? Feeding them. So... Like, un- unfertilized eggs are single cells. Okay, that's that's kind of blowing my mind a bit. It's pretty cool. So what you're saying is that uh, a chicken's egg in my fridge, mm-hmm. um, I don't actually have a working fridge at the moment, so mm. in, in the sort of slightly tepid room that we have in our house, which used to be a fridge, it's sort of a, a lukewarm cupboard, um, you're saying that in my lukewarm cupboard I have single cells yeah, that single are cells. big enough to hold in my hand and throw at my housemates. That you can pick up and throw at your house. That's actually crazy. So yeah. what what is it that makes them a single cell? cell like they're they're made of smaller things right like well so if you you know everybody's familiar with the whole birds and the bees thing you get one sperm you get one egg and you put them together and you get a little little tiny new person animal bird chicken growing yeah Um, and basically chicken eggs that we eat are unfertilized eggs ovum Um, and birds have these dirty great big eggs so uh, you got uh, you know it just didn't have any sperm. So unless you're very unlucky and you've collected your own eggs from your chooks out the back, and uh, you've got one that's got a little tiny baby chicken in it, that is that is one unfertilized egg. It's a single cell that never got the chance to get turned into a little baby chicken. That's kind of crazy. So that means that there must be like some world record for the biggest cell, right? The biggest yeah. bird egg would have to be the the biggest cell. Yeah. So it's it's. A little bit contended, so depends on your depends on your definition of biggest, yeah, uh, or largest. Well, let's go by weight, for weight, example. Weight, it's probably the ostrich egg. Okay. To be honest, your single single largest cell is ostrich egg. Um, there are they're kind of like they're bigger than tennis balls. They're like they're huge, like, right? They're pretty big. They're they're about as big as an ostrich egg. We're all we're right? all in the studio, just like holding our hands in front of us, kind of making Imaginary circle eggs. shapes. Yep. So guys, if you can just picture this sort of circular, <laughs> um, kind of about this big, right? Like, yeah, about, about that big. Okay, so Mitchell's just radio. indicating Great for radio. how big that is. Yeah, they're pretty big. They're pretty big. Um, 
and they're, they're, and they're, a, they're a single cell. What about... They're a single cell. But there must be... A, so you were saying before that there are also really long cells that yeah, so might not be as big weight-wise. Think, think about nerve cells. Nerve cells are really, really long. You've got nerve cells that go down your entire spinal cord. Yeah, cord. yeah. So you end up with animals like blue whales or giant squids. Giant squids have... I think their nerve cells go from their brain all the way down to the end of their ridiculously, ridiculously long tentacles. Okay. And so that's one nerve cell that's taking up that entire span. Wow. So you've got, like, uh, throwing a number out there, like 10-meter-long nerve cells. Golly. That's just... But they're, they're microscopically thin still. Yeah. is isn't, like, a rope that's going all the way down this tentacle. This is it's like a bit... It's a bit like asking the difference... What's the which is bigger, a uh, uh, bowling ball or a length of uh, length of um, thread? Yeah, the thread's ridiculously long, but a bowling a, ball a bowling is ball is like the size of an ostrich egg. Size of an ostrich egg, <laughs> yeah. Um, and there are single-celled algae as well that are ridiculously large, um, single-celled algae, but they do this weird flattening out frond-like fractal patterny thing and. Yeah, they 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 cover a large area, but they they still don't weigh as much as an ostrich egg. We might one day find some weird algae that is as heavy as an ostrich egg, but yeah. at the at the at this point, ostrich eggs are basically the heaviest single cell that we know of. So there you go. So yeah. an unfertilized ostrich egg yeah, wins un- the prize. Unfertilized, of course, because if you got little baby ostrich in there, ostriches are made of lots of cells. Yes, yes. that is one of the defining features of an ostrich, <laughs> yes. is that it's comprised of lots of lots cells. Lots of cells. Well, that's kind of cool. Um, there was a story that popped up on the internet just recently, um, which featured a picture of an egg, and I thought maybe you'd be kind of keen to explain it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was this image that had the headline, um, something along the lines of, Scientists reverse evolve a chicken into a dinosaur. And I had this picture of an egg, like a cross-section or an x-ray or something, and there was like a baby chicken in it, and it had dinosaur feet or something like that. Yeah, so there's been a couple of of, um, studies, experiments, along these lines in the last year or two. Um, Basically, if you've ever eaten fried chicken, roast chicken or whatever, and you've got your drumstick... And you get the shin of the uh, shin of the chicken. The chicken uh, shin. The chicken shin. That is the, that See, is the uh, culinary term. Yeah, being a, being a vegetarian, I can't kind of tell you hey, I, where it is. I'm in the same boat, man. Yeah, I, like, it's been so long since I've eaten a chicken, chicken, shin. chicken, chicken leg that I don't remember where in, the, where in the drumstick it is. But there's a little knobbly bit. But there's, there's like a little, you've got the shin and there's this weird point. Mm. coming off of it it's like a needle of bone yeah. that's coming off the side of this leg um and that is one of the leg bones from chicken so in our shins we've got a tibia and a fibula and this basically in birds it, one of them is ridiculously reduced and you see this in other other animals occasionally where you get one one shin bone is basically reduced to almost nothing yeah um and it connects at the top of at the knee like it normally does yeah but it just kind of tapers away into oblivion basically (laughs) um but in ancestral dinosaurs you get this bone going all the way down to the ankle and being a part of that ankle joint as well okay and basically they've turned on dormant genes and been able to get this formerly tiny point of bone to go all the way down to the rest of the shin and kind of make a little knobbly bit in the end where it would detach to the ankle. Um, they didn't bring these 
little dinosaur chickens to term. No. Of course, because that's a little bit weirdly unethical. Yeah, um, I guess I guess it would. You wouldn't really know how it would affect the organism once it's outside of the. Exactly right. You could end up with this chicken being completely crippled or something. I, yeah. I don't know. So it, it changes um, the gait of the animal. So a chicken kind of struts around the barnyard, kind of like wobbling around on its little chicken shins. But a dinosaur, <laughs> we kind of picture these dinosaurs having this really elongated kind of. They have like a knee elbow thing. Well, yeah. So with 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 chickens are chickens are really weird. Birds, birds are really weird. You know when you look at birds like flamingos especially, yeah, and ostriches. You look at them and it looks like their knees are backwards. Yeah, that's not their knee. Okay, that's their ankle joint. Ah. So ancestry dinosaurs have got that long, great big, massive, long balancing tail. Yeah. And so their femurs, their thighs go straight down. Okay. Um, like ours, our like thighs ours. go straight down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, we walk. We walk on our entire foot with mm. our ankle in contact with the ground. Yep. Dinosaurs walk up on their toes, and they've got that. And birds walk up on their toes as well, like mm. cats and dogs do as well. Yeah. Um, and got that ankle ankle elevated off the ground. Um, but because birds don't have that great big massive long balancing tail, uh, you need they need to be able to move their legs, their feet. Under there, yeah. So their their center of balance has shifted quite a lot relative yeah. to basic. Basically, if you had the thighs going straight down like dinosaurs did, they'd be falling on their face all the time. <laughs> um, so birds have their humor, their femur, not their humerus, their femur horizontal. Yeah, which takes their their feet in under their center of balance. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So this this little image of of a chicken. Baby chicken in an egg with dinosaur feet is sort of more of an experiment in uh, changing the length of the different bones relative to to what they are normally in a chicken. Yeah, and well, it's, it's sort of less exciting than this whole reverse evolution thing that the yeah, headline was spouting. Basically, um, there's been one on, one about skull bones as well because birds have weirdly fused skull bones and they made the parietal bone or something different or bigger or I don't I don't remember what it was it was a while ago now um there's been a couple like this and it's interesting in a more a uh being able to find and turn on dormant genes than say like I'm gonna reverse engineer a dinosaur <laughs> which is like yeah well here on Fuzzy Logic we are doing a pre-recorded show for your Easter long weekend we are talking about eggs and the things that grow in them and um, things you can do with them and all sorts of fun <laughs> things. We're gonna be we're gonna be talking after this track um, a bit about the I think geometry of eggs or the the shape of them. Oh okay. Because um, I think there's some cool physics to do with eggs. So um, here's a track. Hopefully it's kind of mellow and will uh, help you to enjoy your relaxing Easter long weekend. Here on the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on Two Double X, it is our Easter special, our egg extravaganza um, here on yes. the Easter long weekend. We hope you're having a lovely time. Uh, the weather's starting to get a bit colder in Canberra. Mm. I'm very pleased about this. Yeah, I needed a jumper this morning. Oh man, it was so good. Yeah. I, I do like a brisk uh, Canberra morning. I think it's quite a lovely time of year. It definitely wakes you up. Oh yeah. But uh, today we're talking about other things that can wake you up, like for example, birthing an <laughs> egg. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got hit in the face with an egg, that would probably wake you up. Um, and while we were, were while we were away on that song, I actually looked up how big ostrich eggs are for all of those of you that were dying to know exactly how big the sizes 
in the air we were making with our hands. Um, ostrich eggs weigh about one and a half kilos. Oh my goodness! Which is a lot of which is a lot of scrambled. That's yeah, that's a um, big breakfast. And being and they can be up to like eighteen centimeters long and fourteen centimeters wide. Yeah. So okay. So yeah. They're, they're pretty sizable, and they're they're a single cell. I think that's what we established yeah. in the last link is that ostrich eggs are the largest by weight single, single cell. cell if they're unfertilized if, if they're, they're fertilized then they have a baby ostrich in them and that's also cells lots of cells but we want to talk a bit about why eggs are shaped the way they are because they have a very distinctive shape if you've got some chocolate easter eggs in front of you then pick one up inspect its shape and it's egg shaped it's egg shaped right um but why <laughs> why are they egg shaped Rachel? so basically well a sphere is the sh- strongest shape right yeah. It's the hardest to distort. Mm. Um, but if you have an if you have a sphere and you push it, it's gonna roll and then it's gonna tumble down the hill and then probably a fox is gonna come along and eat it or something. Okay, okay. So let's yeah. break let's break this down into into some bits. So so you're saying spheres are the strongest shape. Basically. So yeah. that's because of the way that forces are distributed around the surface. So exactly. if you're blowing bubbles, for instance, yeah. um, bubbles typically will spring back into a nice spherical shape. Yeah, they're minimal surface structures. Yeah, so mm. they can maximize their volume relative to their surface yep. area. That's, yep, yep. that's kind of why bubbles tend to be spheres and not triangular pyramids. Or cubes. Or cubes. Yeah. Although like, I've seen people try and do the cube bubble things. Yeah, but you need a wire to do it. You need a lot of wire. Yeah. You need an intricate system of wire. Mm. Um, but that's but it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, pretty cool. But bubbles are spheres because that's optimizing their volume to their surface area. Yep. Eggs kind of are mimicking that in order to have the most strength yeah. relative to their volume. Yeah. So if you imagined that cube-shaped bubble or egg, you're going to be really, really strong at the corners where you can distribute that weight along the edges but right in the middle you're just going to be able to poke your finger through it a lot easier yeah so you're going to have that weak point on every single face Mm. of that cubic egg well i think it's interesting because you you, like you said you can throw an egg at someone's face to wake them up Mm. and it breaks quite easily because it's this very brittle material that the that the shell is made of yep um and we we sort of associate eggs with being easily broken Mm -hmm. but have you seen the experiments people do where they get eggshells they cut them into half half really really equally and then you can distribute huge amounts of weight on the top of those eggs like a board on top of them and you can stand on it yeah yeah and it's because of the the distribution of that force over the the surface surface. area yeah which is i guess a very uh appealing evolutionary thing you want your egg to be able to withstand to to be able as strong as possible yeah Yeah. especially if you're gonna be sitting on them all day exactly which you would do if you were a bird if you're keeping them warm yes exactly um and that's that's one of the other reasons why they're well they're egg-shaped and not spheres yeah so why you said you said before why they're not just straight up spherical and what what's that reason because if you push them they'll keep on rolling yeah um but that's is that a problem like if your eggs just roll away yeah (laughs) because then where did they go my eggs are gone yeah all your eggs are gone oh no imagine it like you're laying them on a sandy beach or something if you're a turtle and you don't have a well like okay they dig holes to put them in yeah see turtles have got this figured out yeah, they know that you have are, to yeah, bury them in the sand and yeah leave them. all right so say if you're you're a bird and yeah. you want to lay an egg on a cliff face because you're there an you ocean go. dwelling bird that's it and you you lay a perfectly spherical egg yep and it i guess would just roll, roll straight off the cliff off, you get a slight breeze and the egg rolls off the cliff and you never see it again oh. splat 
okay, I can definitely see why that's not yeah. ideal from so, an evolutionary perspective. But this, this tapered shape means that if you push it, it'll roll in a circle okay. and uh, come back to you, basically. So it's kind of like a, a boomerang egg. A little bit. Um, it's, it's a bit like, you know those toys where you've got the great big ball on the bottom and it's very bottom heavy and usually got like a little doll or a clown on the top? You're Have describing you... a weeble. A weeble? A weeble, Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes, okay, sure. Um, that, that thing? A weeble. A weeble? Yeah. Okay. Um, and you push it and it like tips back up at you. Yeah. Yeah, it's a similar kind of thing. Okay. Um, and like guillemots are famous for this. Guillemots are one of these birds that lays its eggs on clip faces. Yeah, they're faces. gorgeous, gorgeous big birds that sort of live on on very, very stark cliff faces yeah, near well, the ocean. They, they nest there. They live, out, oh, they live They live out in the ocean and yeah. come, come to the cliffs to lay their eggs mm. um, because you can't lay an egg in the water, basically. It'll drown. I'm sure there are a lot of animals that do, but maybe we'll talk about those a little bit later. Ooh, maybe. Um, but basically, if you can look up... You can. There's GIFs and YouTube videos of this Gillymot eggs. You push them and they just spin around in a little tight circle, wobbling slightly. Um, okay, so... Um, what I'm looking at in terms of the shape of one of these things, uh, take your take your traditional Easter egg shape and then just stretch it out a little bit. So it's yeah. kind of it's got a really squeeze, really squeeze the tip a little bit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So it's got a quite it's heavily tapered. Yes. Mm. Um, and there is this fantastic gif that is up on our screen in the studio here of one of these guillemot eggs just rolling in circles and wobbling com with uh, comedically basically yeah yeah, yeah. and it, funny. it's like a it's like a natural weeble wibble wibble wibble, wibble. um but it but it does demonstrate kind of fantastically that these things are designed well not designed, not designed. they're adapted <laughs> they're adapted these things have um over the course of evolution become this very very elongated tapered shape because yeah when there is a breeze or if you do knock your nest slightly yeah. they will um kind of Just, roll in a circle and yeah. come back to the the correct owner yeah. rather than tumbling off the cliff face tumbling off the cliff face but there yeah. are some other benefits to having that tapered shape you were hmm. talking about before yeah so um basically you can fit more next to each other you imagine like you like arranging a stack of tennis balls or something and you've got all of that space between them you can't fit them together like you can a stack of cubes yeah, um, yeah. but with this tapered egg shape you can t tessellate them just a little bit and basically you minimize the amount of air that's in between those eggs okay and that means that well when you've got to go find that worm and not sit on your egg for 10 minutes they're going to be able to pass heat between each other easily okay because there's so less air in there's, there's... there's less air between the eggs yeah. Um, so they don't, they cool down a lot slowly, a lot more slowly. Yeah. Um, uh, which which is means you can go away and forage and leave your eggs alone for a little bit longer, and they won't cool down and die. Die, I Aww. guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, poor little eggs. Poor, um, poor guillemot babies. Poor guillemot babies. It also means you can fit more in a nest. Okay, so there's an efficiency thing too. Yeah, you can pack yeah, them. yeah, yeah. You pack pack them all in there. Okay, so with that in mind. Why are eggs not just cubes? Because, like, surely that's the ultimate shape for being able to pack them into a nest. Them into a nest. They're not going to roll away. Mm. They're not going to fall off a cliff edge. But You've got nice cube-shaped eggs. You're going to have those weak faces again, remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. So yeah. you could, someone could come and just stick a claw into them and basically eat the inside. Yeah. I also imagine that there's some level of comfort uh, or discomfort associated with passing a cubic passing egg. Passing a cube-shaped egg. Yeah. yeah that's that's going to be a little bit pointy. Um, the, yeah, the other thing that, the other thing that makes this shape great for eggs is it's easier to 
lay one. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's that's something you need to kind of factor in. Yeah, you've got to yeah, you've got to come from somewhere. Um, so think about you know peri 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 chips. Yes, cherry pits. Oh, cherry I was wondering what right? you were calling them. Peri chips. They're tapered. Oh, yeah, sorry, that's my silly <laughs> silly brain. They're tapered at each end. Uh, okay, yeah. And you take your cherry pit out and you squeeze it between two fingers and you shoot it at the person across the room. Ah, um, I have to try that one. And that's because it's that tapered shape makes it easy for it to just squirt out there like you've got your bar of soap. Yeah. But yeah, and you think about how hard it is to do that same activity with a dice. Yeah, or yeah, something something cube shaped. You yeah. can't sort of you can't spring it across it the room. And shoot out from between your fingers. Okay, yeah. so having that rounded surface, not only. Are we distributing the force more evenly across mm -hmm. the surface of the object, mm -hmm. which is ideal for not smashing them? Yep. Um, but also, it's going to make it a lot more favourable in terms of exiting a cloaca. Yeah, to pass one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I mean, that makes that makes a lot of sense, yeah. and um, I I think that kind of explains why we don't see birds laying sort of triangular eggs. Yeah, cube shaped. But eggs. I would I would thoroughly recommend if you have access to a computer um have a google of guillemot eggs and guillemot just look eggs. at they're, they're absurd looking how um, do you spell guillemot how do you spell guillemot <laughs> this is yeah. this is what we really need to cover on yeah. a on a hardcore science show that's it g-u-i-g-u-i-l-l-e-m-o-t guillemot it's a cool band called the guillemots yeah um i'm not about to play them though i'm about to play one of my other vaguely easter themed songs <laughs> when going through my ipod finding sort of very tenuous links to easter um, this one is called Chocolate by the 1975. You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show on your Easter long weekend on 2XX. That was the 1975 with one of my other Easter themed songs. It's called Chocolate. Uh, you're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on 2XX. Uh, it is the Easter long weekend, so we are talking eggs. It's the Extravaganza. So you just keep using that part yeah, over and over again. Yeah, it's excellent. You've got, you've got all your eggs in oh. one basket. <laughs> oh. um, that other voice you can hear is Mitchell. Hello. Uh, I'm Eleanor. This is Mitchell. Hi. He's better at puns than me. Um, and he's yeah. also full of amazing facts about eggs. Eggs. Um, because that's something we kind of are probably eating a lot of today. Chocolate mm, ones, at chocolate least. Chocolate ones, at least. Uh, but, you know, there might not be things that you think about in great detail a lot of the time. Mm. Um but here we are in the Fuzzy Logic Studios doing a pre-record where we're talking about what eggs are all about. Yeah. And we've been talking about birds pretty exclusively, yeah. so chickens and guillemots and how big ostrich eggs are and all that kind of thing. But other things lay eggs. Well, yeah. Well, who delivers all your little chocolate eggs? Well, it, it's the Easter bilby. Yes, yeah, Easter bilby, <laughs> definitely. Um, uh, and well, bilbies are mammals. Do bilbies lay eggs? Well, yes, they actually do. Wait, what? Mammal, mammal. Well, they they don't lay them. Okay. Um, monotremes, monotremes, platypuses, and the four species of echidna uh, are the only mammals that lay eggs. Yeah. Um, in the traditional sense, in the like traditional sense, having an egg separate from your body that you then that you sort of incubate. Pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've spent a lot of talking about passing eggs here on Fuzzy Logic today. So yeah, pass, pass, take the chocolate egg in your hand and pass it to the person next to you. Yes, that's um, the spirit of the season: sharing, sharing, and, and chocolate. <laughs> but we're, we're we're talking about mammal eggs. Go. Yes, bilbies. Bilbies are marsupials. They are. Um, and have you? Everybody's from kind of, well. A lot of people are familiar with. You know, the little tiny jelly baby kangaroos that come out. Oh, yeah, little itty-bitty kangaroos. Yeah, little like little when they're... Bitty, and they're so pink. 
and they crawl out there in the little pouch yeah, and, they... and they have the giant arms that <laughs> they use to climb up to the pouch yeah um and then they attach to a nipple and they grow up to be a nice big jelly yes um but how did that little jelly bean get so big because placental mammals are the only animals that have a placenta to nurture their unborn offspring yeah so that's like us humans like us humans yeah 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 yeah. um but marsupials have an egg basically an egg that they have inside them the way that little tiny jelly bean kangaroo got that big is from feeding off a yolk okay the same same way that birds and reptiles do okay uh inside the egg so when you smash the big yellow thing inside the egg is the yolk that's the tasty bit that's the tasty bit Hmm. that's the food for your little baby chicken Mm. should that egg ever be fertilized basically um and your marsupials feed off that yolk inside the mother kangaroo the mother bilby so in in the in the pouch or are we talking inside like the uterus basically well do marsupials have uteruses that's a good question (laughs) just immediately referring to google yeah right um Inside, inside the mother. Inside the mother, they have they have this little tiny, I guess, almost egg inside them that they're feeding off that yolk. Yeah. And then when that yolk runs out, they're like, "Oh no, I'm out of yolk!" (laughs) And then they crawl out and crawl up into the pouch and find food of a different source. Okay, so attached to a nibble and start drinking milk. So the baby kangaroos um, and other marsupials, they don't they're not laid in eggs external no, from the body they're not laid, no. but there are eggs internal yeah. eggs that yeah. they feed off they 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 feed off the yolk inside that little weird inside egg so we can kind of draw a parallel between say a human placenta and a kangaroo egg yolk as it's the food source yeah. for the unborn as yet unborn as yeah bub. so your placenta is getting your food from the blood supply of the mother basically yeah but the yolk is kind of a sci-fi freaky kind of (laughs) yeah a little Um, bit the yolk is a lot more sensible you've got that little packet of food there yes that you use up it's the much more sensible way of doing things oh gosh can we just can we deal with that please just fix the system yeah someone can figure out a way of of yokifying i have a lot of thoughts about how much easier life would be if people were marsupials but uh, i don't think it's it's great ra- i mean don't we all radio. we're all we're always thinking about i think it's just a fundamental human yeah. condition just yeah. imagining if we were marsupials yeah yeah um <laughs> um anyway okay so so they they finish off the yolk and then they crawl up and attach themselves to a nipple and start drinking milk yeah and that makes sense milk is good Milk's and nutritious delicious. yes uh but there's some milk theory. Yeah, there's this this crazy thing. When when how did we first evolve milk? Yeah. Right. Um, and there's one hypothesis. There's one idea uh, that we first evolved milk for eggs. Okay, so like a cake, like pancakes. No, like custard. Um, <laughs> yeah, monotremes are the only animals that can produce their own custard because they're the only animals that produce milk and eggs okay that's um, a terrifying thought terrifying thought um Platypus I think I did i mention this the first time we came on and i talked about a kid when we talked about echidnas with phil h oh maybe i don't remember it sounds like the sort of thing you and phil would discuss probably um echidna custard echidna custard um but monotremes platypuses and echidnas they produce milk for their eggs but they so they produce milk for their young yeah but they do it in a very unusual way okay they actually start lactating when they lay the eggs. Okay. I mean, that seems that seems a bit 
premature because the yeah, little critters yeah, haven't if, hatched. Why if, are you producing milk if... If your milk is to feed your young, why do you start producing it before they've hatched? Yeah, that's kind of weird. So um, is there a, a, a hypothesis as to why? Yeah, so this... this um, I think it's called the egg moisturizer hypothesis. <laughs> I like that name. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it may be like it gives you images of like weathering. I'm not gonna lie when you when you said um, egg moisturizer hypothesis before, and I was only half listening um, before we we started the show. I did imagine that you were talking about some sort of weird beauty trend. Where yeah, you no, rub I actually, eggs into your face. I googled it trying to find it to look it up for the show, and it gave me a recipe for combining eggs and olive oil to use as moisturizer. I'm not Excellent. Gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Um, <laughs> but basically, this idea is our our ancestors like monotremes that are ma- proto mammals i guess you call them yeah that are laying eggs living in dry climates are producing and remember that monotreme eggs are not hard shelled eggs like we think of with chicken eggs oh okay they've so got they've got this, a different material yeah they're like a leathery kind of um shell like, like turtles like turtle eggs yeah. exactly um and this milk is being produced by these proto mammals these monotreme like animals to keep their eggs moist and safe in these in arid climates. Okay, so um, what what essentially we're seeing is a platypus. Well, I guess platypuses kind of live in the water, but yeah. um, echidna is sweating milk onto yeah. its eggs to that's keep it. the the leathery outer leathery shell of the outer egg shell warm. Um, and that's the other thing with these proto mammals and monotremes. Monotremes have beaks. Okay. And these proto mammaly things might not have had lips, which you need to suck up milk. So yeah. basically, the thing with monotremes is they sweat milk from these belly patches of sweat gland things, yeah. basically. I, which, I, makes, I, which makes platypus custard so much more disgusting because <laughs> you kind of have to scrape it off them yeah. to get the milk. Well, I've heard, I've heard that like platypuses will like, lie on their backs and the ridges on their skin will fill with milk. sweat milk and, and their the young little, sort of... The little baby puggles lick it up. Puggles, is that puggles. what they're called? Baby monotremes are called oh. puggles. Ooh. Oh, here on Fuzzy Logic, we're all dying of cuteness. Yes. Puggles lapping milk off their off their mum's belly. Off their mummy's bellies. Oh, that's kind of gross. Yeah, <laughs> it, is a, it is a little bit gross. It's adorable and gross, um, just like all babies. Yeah. So this 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 specialized sweat first being used to keep these eggs safe, and uh, it's like platypus milk has a lot of antimicrobial properties as well. Okay. So, so as in it, it will uh, prevent the growth of any sort of bacteria. Bacteria and other stuff on those eggs or in the, in those eggs possibly as well. Um, and then as eggs are hatching more and more prematurely, then these they're, they're, these uh, young are drinking the milk to stay hydrated. And then having more nutritious milk is an obvious and easy kind of benefit. So, yeah. yeah. So there's kind of this evolutionary drive. We're already producing milk to keep the eggs wet. Why not yeah. produce slightly more nutritious milk? I want to. I want to point out young. when we're talking about evolution, it's not that the platypus is thinking, oh, maybe no. I should, maybe I should make more nutritious milk. It's just that there is a selection and an, an advantage yeah. to any species, uh, any any individual that starts producing more nutritious milk through yeah. random mutation, basically, and it's young, therefore do better and procreate yeah, more. Yeah, basically, you know, you have this, you have this thing going. You get a drought, and there's not enough water for the young. Basically, mm. uh, you'll have the animals that with the where the the individuals in a population where the young are drinking this egg moisturizer are surviving better and producing more offspring than the individuals in this population that aren't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just yeah. a little crash course on how evolution egg works. evolution. Yeah. Egg evolution. Mm. Egg evolution. I, I'm really not the pun master here. Egg solution. Egg solution. Mm. 
it is an egg solution milk yeah <laughs> maybe yeah well, it's, it's a really maybe. it's a really interesting hypothesis it's pretty it's a pretty cool idea yeah yeah i mean keeping eggs moist is is pretty important if you're yeah when you've got these weird leathery eggs yeah yeah um there are potentially some some sea creatures that don't need to worry about that so no, much though because they not. they live under the water the where water. it is traditionally quite moist most of the time it is pretty yeah. moist yeah 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 so i think um we were looking at a little article before about octopuses about octopuses yes octopuses i don't often sort of imagine octopuses as being big egg layers well they're not laying the same kind of eggs that we're most familiar with with birds and reptiles and to a lesser extent platypuses they're amniote eggs you basically got similar kind of structures that are performing a similar purpose they have different structures but um but it's still the idea of the young is it's in this little capsule basically. and it's got a food source or it's got something that yeah. provides nutrition for it while it's and maturing and protects them during development yeah. yeah um so there was a article from uh nat geo nat geo uh it was done by the Monterey Bay Aquarium in the University of Rhode Island. Oh, cool. Um, were doing, look, looking at deep sea ocean life, and they found this octopus in 2007 yeah. that was looking after some eggs. Mm-hmm. Oh, it and sounds pretty standard. They're checking on, check, they're sitting there. Well, this is a known behavior. Octopuses look after their eggs. They brood them. Basically, um, you've got the female that tends to them and... The main main important role is not so much sitting on them to keep them warm, mm. but blowing oxygenated water onto them and dislodging parasites oh, and man. silt that collects on them in the per, in the in the uh, in the process. Cool. Um, so yeah, just sit, sitting on there, blowing oxygenated water, blowing oxygenated water onto these eggs, um, because you know you need lots of oxygen to be alive. Yes. <laughs> Here on Fuzzy Logic. Here on Fuzzy Logic. You providing... need oxygen to be alive. Breaking news. Um, most things do. Most things do. Yeah. Uh, not everything. Not everything. We'll talk about that another time. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so she's she's mining her eggs. She's mining her eggs, looking after them. In, That's pretty... I think it was May of 2007, the first time they found this octopus. Yeah. And they're doing these deep sea, you know, checking in on an ecosystem, see how they're being affected by different things. And yeah. Every single time they go back, this octopus is still there looking after these eggs up until September of 2011. Okay, so that's... It's four and a half years of this octopus just sitting there going... Blowing, uh, blowing oxygen onto her Blowing oxygen egg onto babies. her eggs. So, um, for, so for four years... Four and a half years. Do they, are they sure that it's the Can, same batch of eggs? Yeah, because they lay them onto this this vertical hanging surface yeah they're stuck there okay it's not like you've got a nest full and you're like oh i'm gonna go and take them somewhere else i'm sick of the view they stick them onto the side of a rock and then they have to sit and blow oxygen onto them yeah they're stuck there they're not going anywhere okay um so four years is that four four years that's quite a long time to be incubating something yeah right like you sit eggs in your fridge for four and a half years they're not going to be so good (laughs) probably Um, not uh but yeah, I know people that are not that old. Anyway. <laughs> um, but the the other crazy thing about that is that most octopuses and squid that we're more familiar with from shallower waters only usually live for one or two years. Wow. Yeah, yeah. right? So, so this is a big lifespan thing too. That's yes, These octopuses are living... These deep sea octopuses are living a lot longer than expected. Um, well, they'd have to be if they're going to devote four years of their life to... 
just incubating just their young. Incubating their eggs. They're going to have to have a lifespan that's presumably a, a fair bit longer than four years. Well, it might not be that much longer either. You could have these octopuses that are living for five or six years that are spending most of their lifetime looking after these eggs, possibly. Yeah. Um, the reason that they might be doing this is the thoughts are the longer these eggs are incubated, the more developed the octopuses are when they hatch. Okay, so they're almost ready to then go on and continue the life cycle. Yeah, they're ready to rock and roll basically as soon as they come out of these eggs. Nice. Um, which is a massive advantage, especially in areas with, in deep oceans where resources might be a bit thin on the ground. Or yeah. seafloor. Sea <laughs> resources <laughs> thin on the seafloor. And I guess it's more likely that if you're if you're sort of a weak baby octopus, octopusling yeah um you're gonna get snapped up by something that wants to eat you for dinner anglerfish or something i don't know yeah yeah um so it makes sense for them to be incubated and, and minded by their parent for a longer period of time yeah in their eggs give them that um kick jump start head start kick start what head start yeah <laughs> give them some sort of start yeah give them a better start jump start jump start yeah, yeah. So that they can then go and, and presumably do the same thing, lay yeah. some eggs. Well, meet meet a nice meet, man meet. octopus. Yeah. Lay some eggs. Mr. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's a joke about there being four right four, hands. Right, right arms, yeah. Yep. They got eight. Yeah. Mitchell Sorry, here that just... Was a bit, that was a bit of a stretch. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Absolutely dominating the pun game here on yeah. the Fuzzy Logic Science Show. Um... We were talking a bit earlier about Guillemots, and I mentioned that there's a band called the Guillemots, and I've since found a Guillemots track to play. So uh, this is um, Annie Let's Not Wait by the Guillemots. You're listening to Fuzzy Logic on 2XX. That is what Guillemots sound like. <laughs> You're listening to the Fuzzy Logic Science Show here on 2XX. That was Annie Let's Not Wait by the Guillemots. Uh, we had to play some guillemots because we were talking about how weirdly shaped guillemot eggs are yes. um, a bit earlier. Um, because it is our Easter spectacular, mm. our extravaganza. Yeah, uh, it's extremely exciting to be here. This oh morning. well, yes. I'm so glad. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining me, Mitchell. Yes, Mitchell I, here. Um, no, no exaggeration. <laughs> he is he is here to provide puns to yes. to the people of Canberra. I'm poaching all the best yolks. Oh gosh. Okay. So <laughs> we're going to kick Mitchell out of the studio pretty soon. Oh, no. Um, we're we're coming up to the end of the show. But before we go, um, I've been the ignorant one for most of this episode, mm. and I wanted to talk about the something. Ignorant one. Oh, the ignorant one. No. Um, so I want to talk about something that I know things about. No. Um, so there's this article. It's 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 kind of an older story. They mm. uh, these people won and. Egg Nobel Prize, uh-huh. an Egg Nobel Prize. Um, how many years ago is this now? The, Two years? They won it this year. No, sorry, they last won it last year, year 2015. Last year, 20, um, 2015. And they won it for unboiling an egg. Unboiling an egg. So this That's is mad. kind of it's kind of it, an, an Egg Nobel Prize is is one of these sort of um, sting in the tail sort of awards where you're sort of being told that your research is a bit frivolous and silly. Yes, but they're like the silly Nobel Prizes. They are, but yeah. they're not because a lot of the work that goes into getting one of these Ig Nobel, Ig Nobel Prizes um, has these implications that are far more far-reaching than you might initially think. Yeah. So this whole idea of unboiling an egg was actually at Flinders University in Australia. So um, we have uh, an Ig Nobel Prize to our name quite recently. Yes. Um, and what they have done is they've taken the proteins in an egg 
So eggs are very proteinous. That's, mm. I mean, that's why you... They're good sources of protein. They are. Mm. And that's why bodybuilders will crack a few raw eggs into a protein shake. <laughs> yeah, that's really appealing. Um, and, yeah, and, and sort of make use of all the muscle-building protein in, in eggs. When you cook an egg, what you're actually doing is unfolding the proteins that are making up the different components of the egg. So proteins are these big, long chains of amino acids, huge, big, long chains. Um, But for them to be a functional protein, for them to be behaving the way that um, an organism intends for that protein to behave, they have to be folded in a very specific way. So you've got a big, long chain, and you've folded it into a big globular shape, and then it does its job. So in in a chicken egg, for instance, you've got like the albumin, and stuff and that sort of yeah the egg white and i think that's sort of providing um like once again that sort of antimicrobial and it's kind of nice and food rich and yeah and it's it's water and it's it's nice and hydrating insulation and shock absorption it's basically what what is albumin (laughs) albumin is just this multi-purpose fantastic um material that seems to cushion eggs very nicely mm-hmm. um but it is it is a, a series of amino acids in a big long chain all folded up so when you start to heat an egg on a on a hot plate you're you're cooking it on your pan for for your delicious breakfast what you're doing is slowly introducing more and more heat to these proteins which is jiggling them unfolded so their amino acids are starting to they're still a chain but mm. they're losing that Um, three-dimensional structure and forming back into a big long chain instead of a nice folded one they all start to clump together with each other so instead of individual globules they're now starting to aggregate tangle tangle together yeah like your microphone yeah like your headphones in your pocket yeah Yeah. or christmas lights yeah wrong wrong holiday but um yeah but you know we got easter lights yeah easter lights (laughs) traditional easter fairy lights (laughs) um yeah that's exactly right so you've got multiple strings of fairy lights um, in a box, and they're all starting to tangle with each other, and then that's what forms that solid white yeah. um, from that Ooh. clear albumin that we start with in a chicken egg to the cooked white of the egg. It's unfolded and then reset in a new tangled up way. So what these guys at Flinders University did, guys and gals, they unboiled the egg. Um, so they turned it back into the gooey, clear stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what they did is they used microfluidics. Uh, so that's just a complicated what? way of saying um, the movement of different fluids um, on, okay. a, on a small scale. Okay. So yeah, they basically sense. set up this system that slowly collected these um, tangled up fairy light protein chains and separated them out um, into their individual strands of fairy light. That's so cool. And then managed to refold them into their original shapes. That's so cool. So it's kind of cool. Um, and this idea of it being frivolous kind of annoys me because, because hey, that's that's pretty exciting. Proteins are yeah. very tedious to work with when they continue to unfold. Yeah. So any sort of system that allows you to refold them into a, an active form is really good. But also, a lot of the diseases that are associated with aging yeah. are based around proteins unfolding and aggregating. So stuff like dementia, stuff like yeah. Parkinson's. Um, See, the thing that popped into my head is like, it's diseases that are based on prions, which are these misfolded proteins. Yeah. Like mad cow disease is a, yeah, yeah. one that everybody's familiar with. Exactly. So you could change these prions back into their original form 
yeah. and cure mad cow disease. That's, yes. That's mad. <laughs> it really is. Well, it's less, less so. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I can do it too. Okay. Oh, man, I didn't even realize that one. That um, was great. But, yeah, and, and things like cataracts. So when you're... When you're eyes are when you're losing vision due to that sort of cloudy formation of it that's that's proteins that are misfolding and aggregating so it's like you're getting your cooked egg whites in your eyeballs basically yeah wow. yeah except yeah <laughs> yeah no that's literally what it is yeah um so yeah these people who who were awarded this ig nobel prize actually are coming up with strategies that could very well be applicable um when it comes time to investigate how we're going to cure all sorts of um really nasty age-related diseases that are based on prions and plaques and and these yeah. aggregates of proteins. That's not silly at all. No, it's not. And that's why whenever you see the Ig Nobel Prizes being uh, touted as something a bit silly and a bit funny, actually like read into what they're doing because a lot of the time it's it's really, really cool research. I love the Ig Nobel Prizes. They're so much fun. I think, I think what the, the Ig Nobel Prizes really highlight is it's less about the research and more about how they're communicating it. Yeah. Because if you if you title a paper, hey, look, we unboiled an egg, yeah. people are going to pay attention. Yeah. Whereas if you write, oh, we use microfluidics to restore the um, quaternary structure of uh, chicken, of hen albumin, yeah. people are like, what? what? I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I mean, unboiling an egg is a cool thing to say. There was another chicken-related uh, Ig Nobel Prize from last year as well. It was a team that made a chicken walk like a dinosaur. Yeah. Um, we were talking about how your your femur is horizontal and yeah. closed to put your feet under your center of balance. Basically, they put a plunger on a chicken's bum <laughs> and it moved its center of gravity backwards, and so they had their femur going straight down. That's another one to yeah. Google if you've got a no, computer nearby. They've there's, got they've got great gifs of that one as well. There's yeah. fantastic videos, videos of it. Of chickens. And it's yeah. it is essentially a chicken with a big plunger on its, it's, on tail, its, on its tail, and it forces it to kind of walk. How walk, you'd walk, imagine a walk like a dinosaur. <laughs> oh, we're not going to play that song. No. Is that a song? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, that is a song. Do you know the thing? Get on the floor. Everybody walk the dinosaur. Open the door. Get on the floor. That's it. Because if you're yeah. a dinosaur, the first thing you need to do is open, open a door. door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like we've learned a lot today. Eggs are great. Eggs are great. Yeah, it's very um, exciting stuff. Oh, it is. Yeah. Um, so. I think it just remains to say thank you so much for, for joining me in the studio, Mitchell. Yeah. You've really provided a, a level of pun that I don't think I could have achieved it without was, you. It was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just decided to whisk it. Hope uh, you're not too scrambled. <laughs> um, this has been the Fuzzy Logic yeah. Science Show on 2XX. Uh, we hope you're having a fantastic long weekend. Yeah, have a cracker. Um, the weather, hopefully, is, is very pleasant. Mm. Um, once again, we're recording from the past, so... Um, Enjoy the future. So, yeah, we hope the future's treating you well. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're going to podcast this episode so you can revisit all the, the excellent puns. Yep. Uh, and tune in 11 o'clock next week for the same thing. Yeah. It'll be great. Thanks, thanks for being here. Have a good one. Yeah.